Hey there, welcome to the Product Hive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our July product event, where you'll hear from Whitney Rogers. Whitney is currently the UX research lead at Chatbooks. Whitney's presentation delves into the complexity of releasing a product and juggling that with multiple departments, different opinions, different priorities, several data inputs, and competing timelines. At Chatbooks, listening to users and involving key players from across the company earlier in the product cycle has made a big difference for achieving organizational buy-in and releasing better products. A big thanks to Chatbooks for hosting this meetup. And finally, be sure to join our community on Slack, where there's always lots of great conversation about UX, product management, and more. You can get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at ProductHive.org. So now, let's hear Whitney's talk, How to Get Your Entire Company On Board for Product Launches. I'm Whitney. Um, I'll do a quick intro, but I just want to call out, I can hear someone's toddler in the background. This is not me being negative about that. It is so nice to hear some background noise. It's so hard to speak to a group of people virtually and not have grunts and laughter and comments. So love hearing the toddler. You do not need to meet that. Also, I have a two-year-old. That's so. probably me. My baby's here. Okay, and good. are stomping upstairs. <laughs> Don't mute yourself, Sean Toppins. Okay. All right. Let me go ahead and share my screen. It looks like we've got people from all over Utah, so pretty exciting. Well, I'm Whitney Rogers, as Chantal and Dave said, and um, I'm so excited to talk to Product Hive virtually today and to have the opportunity to. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about how to get your entire company on board for product launches. And the plan for today is I'll do a little intro about me and Chatbooks and what I do at Chatbooks, then we'll jump into the original product cycle at Chatbooks and the problems we were running into, followed by the solution that we came to in our newer product cycle, and then we can end it with QA if we have time. Okay. So I know Chantal gave a little intro on Chatbooks, but the Chatbooks mission of the company is to strengthen families, and you can feel that both on the employee side, the product side, um, great company to work for, a shameless plug, it's my favorite company I've ever worked for. I think it's a great product org. Um, thanks to Chantal and Lauren who heads up our product team. And we do a lot of photo books, cards, wall decor, always experimenting with new products and ideas. Obviously you heard about the emoji game. And yeah, that's a little bit about Chapix. We're located back when you were located somewhere. Um, in Provo, we historically have had an office in Salt Lake, Lehigh and Provo, um, but now we're all online. So thanks everyone for coming to Chapbooks. <laughs> so I run the user research team at Chapbooks. We have two full-time researchers, two part-time and then one uh, research intern. Everyone's really talented. We try and do research company-wide across different departments and really believe that research can help elevate the product and everything we take to market. Okay. 
We'll jump right in. So going back a little bit, this was the original product cycle. I've been at Chopbooks for a little over three years now. So I've seen several different product cycles and pain points, and this is going back to kind of our original um, stab at the product cycle. So this is a timeline of sorts. We started with having an idea and designing it. Pretty straightforward. This is just going to be the product manager and the UX designer. Maybe this is the product manager with the idea and the UX designer executing it or together. Then we would move on to start building it. We would incorporate the dev team at this point and set up a sprint to create the product. And then typically two to four weeks out from launch, we'd create a launch plan with all teams. This is where all departments would be joining in, marketing, operations, and then we'd launch our product. As you can imagine, we ran into a lot of pain points while we were going through this product cycle. Um, one of them was we had little to no user input. We maybe talked to a few token customers who had a bit of bias um, and created products, but we didn't really um, do any research or iterate with user information. We also had a loss of different perspectives because we weren't incorporating operations, marketing as, earlier, as early as we could have. And this led to less effective brainstorming overall. The second item on that timeline was start building it. As you can imagine, because we weren't incorporating all of the perspectives and inputs we could have, we had a slow build process because we sometimes had to repeat building things that didn't perform well or that we simply never used, which led to poor morale, especially with our developers. And then we would create launch plans with all teams, thinking, you know, we've got it, we're being organized, we're getting together before launch. And we still ran into a lot of pain points here. Um, team friction, lower quality products and campaigns, crunch timelines. Um, there was a lot of friction between departments uh, who weren't communicating as well as they could have been. Um, and overall, the main problem was we had low buy-in, which blew up in our faces quite a bit. This is a really intense GIF, and I felt like it showed how it sometimes felt. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Thanks. So that didn't work well. We knew this and over time we started thinking about how could we improve this process. And fast forward a year or so through that product cycle and I have a Hamilton tie-in, Dave, so it was great that you <laughs> talked about that. I was like, did we coordinate this? We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so something I realized, we have a little bit of a parallel with the storyline of Hamilton in, in at least one aspect. So. Hopefully, some of you have seen Hamilton. I'm a huge fan, Chantal, I'm floored that you haven't seen it. <laughs> we'll have to fix that. But Hamilton, play on Broadway, or musical, I should say. And in it, the play overall is about um, the creation of our financial system in the United States and you know the revolution, et cetera. And in it, there's a scene or a song I should say called The Room Where It Happened. And Aaron Burr and Hamilton are these two characters in the play and in history, obviously real people, uh, that had parallel lives to a degree. They're enemies, they're friends, they're really foiling characters to each other. And there's a scene where Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and Alexander Hamilton 
um, are meeting in a room, it's just the three of them, to discuss what they should do about the capital of the country and the financial center. And the song focuses on Aaron Burr outside of the room, feeling frustrated, and, and other people with, you know, no one's in the room where it happened. How did they make this decision? Where did it come from? Um, problems from buy-in to just feeling left out and ununified. So it made me think, hmm, this is kind of a problem we had at Chatbooks. If you haven't seen Hamilton, it's on Disney Plus. I hear, if I'm quoting this correctly, it was a 75 million buy for Disney to get the rights to it. So worth watching. <laughs> and so the first thing we did to improve upon this process issue was get the right people in the room where it happens, which led to the creation of the CX team. And I know some of you are familiar with this. This is the customer experience team. It was new to Chatbooks. We have a product manager, of course, a UX designer, a researcher, an analyst, um, developers, obviously front and back, and customer service representative lead, marketing lead, and an operations lead. The, so this significantly expanded who was talking, who was talking in meetings, who was at the meetings, who was talking and brainstorming on the way to the water cooler in the kitchen. This was pretty, uh, large change and very effective um, for already solving some of those issues we were seeing, having conversations earlier, brainstorming, etc. So I want to step to the side for a second and just talk about when do these teams meet at Chatbooks? How does the CX team work? So we decided and have kind of iterated on this and landed at having stand up with the full CX team twice a week. We found that was a good level to keep communication high, but not give a fatigue to a daily standup. Then we obviously have team planning. That's um, you know backlog grooming, going over quarterly goals, planning where we're headed, talking with operations and marketing as we expanded that table and who's in that room. And then we also have a product and executive team reviews. We cycle through our product team, so we meet every few weeks with our executive team, and that's the full CX team as well. So in these meetings, whereas before we might have product launches um, and talk right before, throughout this process, we're getting updates on marketing campaigns, we're riffing on uh, physical product changes, etc. So super helpful. And this really happens. I'm not just making slides of this. So I thought I would air a little bit of our dirty laundry or maybe clean laundry because I, I am pretty proud that we integrate this and it works well. But as you can see, this is a calendar invite for our one of our product teams, the standard book team. And we meet twice a week. It's a long list of people and it works great. We also have our weekly planning. Um, for the standard book team, just used our examples from that team specifically. And then our product review, so with the executive team. And th that full CX team is there the entire time. And um, like I said, it's really closed some of those gaps and friction points we're experiencing between departments. Now, we talked about what we were doing to improve that process, the first being get the right people in the room where it happened. And second is using research in the design iteration process to create buy-in and, of course, make better products. 
Now we try and do this company wide for anywhere from marketing and ops to product. This example of a cycle is um, a node to the product org. So first we'll start with exploratory research. I'll jump into what that looks like later, but that is shared with the full CX team and honestly the full company. Um, I'll share that later. And in exploratory research, we might be looking for pain points on ways after setting an OKR or a quarterly goal or annual goal uh, to improve a product. We're looking for pain points that we can fix and new ideas. Then we go to prototype design. So a designer like Chantal or Tom, who we mentioned earlier, might create a design. And then we would go into a usability study, which was also shared with the CX team. And I didn't put parentheses with share with CX team on all of these, but this whole process is really um, shared openly in standups and those meetings I talked about earlier. After the usability studies, you continue on to have a design iteration. You might have two revs, you might have 13. We'll go through the design pretty quickly. Um, I think we focus a lot on ship at chatbooks, or like to stay fast. Um, and then we'll launch and we'll do an A-B test or an A-B-C test and share those results with the CX team and then continue that iteration and research cycle. What's really great about using research in conjunction with the CX team is that this um, design process, which maybe before was kind of sheltered in the product org away from the rest of the departments, is a great time for a, people to give input and for us to improve products, and B, um, if there are differences of opinion or parts of the product that won't be change it, changed, we can go over why and get that buy-in early. So this is really helpful overall. And I want to give a little case study um, at Chatbooks of how this has worked. And now that we've gone over um, point one, get the right people at the table in the room where it happens, and point two, use research in that design iteration to create buy-in. So Chantal mentioned this product in the intro, but our, probably our most famous bestseller product is our ongoing book series. Specifically, we're known for our Instagram, Pringer Instagram ongoing book series. And you can essentially get a magazine subscription to your life, really great copy there, um, and print photos to enjoy with your family in a really easy and convenient way. This is a product we're really proud of and happy with, but something we did want to improve. So paired with our strategy and analytics team, the product org executive team, uh, OKRs were created. So annual quarterly goals that we wanted to go towards. And for this product specifically, there was a key result that we were looking to improve, which was improve series, that ongoing book series, three-day order rate from 7% to 15% across all photo sources. So now we are off to the races. We have our goal and we need to make improvements while keeping everyone on board and keeping unity and creating a great product. So the first thing we did which was showed in that research cycle is where we start with exploratory research. And something we do at Chatbooks is called a quarterly baseline. And this is obviously something we do every quarter. We pair with strategy and analytics to analyze our um, customer conversion rate throughout the product flow, look for increases and decreases, any changes that we might want to look into in our qualitative research. And then we move into a usability study. And we typically have 
been doing unmoderated baselines using Validately. I'm sure you guys have heard of usertesting.com or usability.com. And we have new customers who fit our demographic come in. And when I say new customers, I mean people who haven't used chatbooks. And they go in and we just give them a prompt to create said product that we're looking into and look at usability issues, comprehension issues, performance issues, bugs, anything across the board. And these baselines give us a check-in or a pulse on what's going on quarterly. We have a record of what the app looked like and the experience there. And also a way to kind of give ourselves a control. So this really is the qualitative version of a control group. Once we come out of here, we'll do an analysis. And in this case, the researcher who did the analysis was Christy. Um, write up insights, and then we share it to a Slack channel that doesn't go out just to our a CX team, but actually goes out to the whole company. So we'll take the learnings from that and create a design. In this case, Tom, who you mentioned earlier, created this design. So this represents the V1 of a design to get at this OKR. Then continuing on more research and iterations, new designs, new angles of approaching this problem. Here's another one, also done by Tom, and following research. Um, research once the design was released to test flight, et cetera. And as these are shared, um, conversations are happening in these threads, they're happening in meetings. We're talking about it in stand-up, in the weekly planning with the executive team, on our way to the water cooler with ops and marketing. Um, it's really just opened up the communication and put everyone on the same side of the table to involve so many people together in a CX team. And it really does lead to wins. So this was really impressive. Uh, some Q2 wins specifically off that key result we were searching for. So we improved series three-day order rate from 12 to 15%, which is huge. And specifically the camera roll series three-day order rate from 12 to 16%. So yes, Tina Fey, huge win. This really does work. I'm not just spouting out some philosophy. We, we do put this to action and we've had a lot of success with it. And I love Tina Fey, so I could just look at that gif all day. Um, so now that I've gone through that case study, I want to get a little more granular on how we share research um, at Chatbooks from these design iterations. So obviously we run these research and design iterations. We share learnings company-wide specific and uh, I think most importantly at this point, CX team-wide to make sure that information is disseminated across departments and collect feedback. As I mentioned earlier, this creates alignment and it, any hard conversations that we need to have can happen earlier. And with research, instead of arguing around opinions, we can really just look at the data, talk to the users and make the right decision. So it mitigates some of those friction points as well. And when I say we post research to Slack, we're doing a lot of research. These are results both from our quantitative and qualitative research we conduct at Chatbooks. And I mean, it, it just goes on. It's very fast. Um, we try and lean towards shipping quickly at Chatbooks, but it's happening and there's a lot of it. And this slide shows examples of conversations that are happening on those threads in just four. So, um, you don't know who these people are, so I'll give you an idea of what departments they're coming from, but we've got a product manager, a product marketing manager, um, researchers, 
operations uh, leads, UX designers, et cetera, um, our CEO, our CMO, um, ad specialists, et cetera, are all commenting and having conversations here. And I think this is really representative of conversations that are happening outside of these threads that we haven't had recorded. I know I've referenced this quite a few times, but on your way to the water cooler, when you have um, different representatives from all teams involved, you start brainstorming and having those conversations with different people. So it's been really helpful. We also create um, highlight reels for our research, which show clips, audio and visual, so that um, depending on the study you're running, sometimes it's helpful to have that emotional appeal and real life example from the user. Um, to create change within the product. And this is a screenshot of our Notion library. It's really a research library where we post all of our studies by topic or product. Really helpful for onboarding, side plug, um, but also somewhere where anyone in the company can access and look up research. After we do a research uh, study projects, we do what we call a debrief. We meet with the product marketer, the researcher, and the UX designer. And we will be also, an iteration that we just made this week is we're also going to be having the uh, product marketing manager come to these as well. We go through and context screen by screen design um, study results, uh, just so it's in context to the actual design. It's helpful for brainstorming and a lot of um, revving on the design happens on in these meetings. And then we move that. We also talk about results and what's coming up in our uh, team meetings weekly. So these are CX team wide. We have, of course, marketing operations and uh, strategy and analytics, customer service, product, etc. Talking through these things week by week um, and iteration by iteration. And then we also have those, not bi-weekly, but one to two times a month product reviews with the executive team where we also have the full CX team. And these conversations, again, are happening early. This is a huge screenshot of our town hall. I think this is our biggest venue for sharing research and new designs and launching products. Um, but this is just an example of how open our communication is. We try really hard not to hide designs and ideas within product and then when they're ready and polished and perfect, share them with the rest of the team. Everyone really has a seat in seeing what's going on and sharing feedback. So in summary, how do you get your entire company on board for product launches? First, you get the right people in the room where it happens. And second, you use research and the design iterations to create buy-in and make better products. And that's it. So I think we can move into QA if there is any. Great. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, I've got questions if nobody else does. So okay. <laughs> this is helpful. Because uh, we're, um, I'd say we're facing some of these same Mm -hmm. challenges that you've covered at, at MX where I work and it's particularly around how we share research and stuff. So I'd be curious to, to hear a little bit more about like, how do you, uh, how do you structure Notion? That's a tool we've looked at for like yeah. 
hosting research findings? Um, and then kind of what's the relationship between like Notion and Slack and, and making sure that like the data yes. is lost? Yeah, definitely. So we use, I'll, we use them similarly and differently. So I'll start with similarly first. So when we write up um, research results, we typically do that in Notion. <clears throat> and <clears throat> wow, my voice is going out. Sorry. I guess I'm not used to talking this much, but I know I am. Um, so we'll create a new page in Notion under a specific product or feature or a department, uh, depending on what it is write up the results and then share that link and a Slack format similar write up. So it's really kind of a parallel dual posting once in Notion and once in Slack with a link to both. The reason why we post it in both places is because in Slack it's, we experienced a, a pain point when we had new people onboarding or someone who wanted a holistic view of all the studies that have been done for a product them trying to keyword search and scroll through Slack, it just gets a little crazy as I'm, I'm sure you know. Yep. So it allowed us to give some structure to our study library and archive um, while still having the easy communication. Our company relies heavily on Slack. We, we often joke that no one checks their email in town halls. There's an ongoing joke about that. Um, because Slack is our center and our company is also very visual in how they like to obtain research and really any information. So we try to keep it short and sweet in Slack and then might go into more detail in the Notion write-up. Gotcha. Um, and then the Slack always has a link to the Notion. So that's kind of how we use both. As far as how we organize the research we typically do it by product and if it doesn't fit into a product specifically if it's just a more general holistic view of chapbooks research it'll go by department great great um so somebody justin asked is each cx team unique or are there people who are part of multiple cx teams great question um both so i we have a few s shared resources for specific um, positions on the team, I would say. We might have a backend uh, dev that's on two teams. Um, but in general, they're pretty unique. So we have different operations leads per team. We have different product managers, different designers, researchers, uh, front end devs, um, et cetera. Great. Great question. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about like uh, who facilitates interviews? Is that typically done by like you or somebody from the research team? Do designers handle that? PMs? How, what yeah, is that? great question. So typically the researcher um, runs the meeting, although anyone can join in. So typically, typically I ask that people just turn off their video and microphone so that you can let the user know someone's jumping in to view but you know won't be saying anything or we also give the option of if you would like to ask questions directly just let me know prior to the zoom call or wherever you're meeting with the user um, so that you can prep the user to what to expect so, some other voice might be jumping in at some point um, i do think that users get nervous when there's a lot of people watching them so typically um, 
in my work, it's just me and then the UX designer might come to one or two per study or the PM periodically. Um, but the researcher runs the test, moderates it for sure. Okay, great. And so then is it just I, like, oh yeah, go ahead, Chantal. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. One thing that's been really nice for me, first of all, Whitney is amazing and she does an amazing job with the interviews. But one thing that's been really amazing for me as a designer is to just kind of separate myself from my designs, let someone else run the testing and then bring back to me what the problems were. Because first of all, if I were leading the interview, I would be leading the users into giving me the correct answers as I designed it. <laughs> so separating myself from that like is really, really helpful. And then also getting a summary of the things back is also really helpful. So I don't get hung up on little things that one user said, you know, I don't, and I can really separate myself and just know, like, okay, that was just one user. I don't have to worry about that, but here are the patterns that we're seeing and the reports are so helpful in that. And then also the highlight reels are so helpful because then I do get, kind of a, a feel of what generally the users have said about it, but I don't have to kind of get, get caught up in the little things. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think anytime that you have someone else um, moderating, those, moderating those interviews as well, there's certain things that you have selective hearing with whenever you're close to, to a design, because I notice even with an, when another researcher conducts a study, they look at it from a different angle. So just having that perspective and not being as close to the design is really helpful. I love that. Thanks, Chantal. Um, I know like another question that comes up a lot whenever we talk about research is just getting executive buy-in. Mm -hmm. um, were, were there any challenges that you faced around like uh, really getting research as part of your regular like process into the mix from yeah, definitely. Executive I, mm -hmm. yeah I think that's something that we've probably all struggled with to a degree something that's really helped us is we definitely had a lot of friction like I mentioned earlier at launch between different perspectives different departments and I think just starting research with the whatever resources you have and then showing a success is a great way to get buy-in and um, also showcasing how it helps save time for the team through mitigating those opinion discussions and bringing in actual data to see what the user would like. So I think that's helped with executive buy-in at Chatbooks. Anything you would add to that, Chantal? Nope, cool. covered it. So basically give the executive team a case study at your own company. Yeah. Whatever you've got, kind of showcase the process, share it with them um, as an example versus a case study from another company. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's, that's great advice. Um, so here, yeah, it looks like we got a couple other questions coming in. Um, how does prioritization uh, within product work with the CX teams, with three and a half CX teams, how does how does that work with the product structure? Do they have multiple product teams that those CX teams work with? So the CX team really is the product team. So um, our CX team names shift. We kind of mix things up periodically, but 
Um, we might have a team for specific product, our series product or our cards product, et cetera. And as far as prioritization, I think our OKRs, which are just our annual and quarterly goals as a company, really help us prioritize. And because we're communicating so often, if there really is some friction, um, we can go back to those OKRs and see, okay, does this funnel up into our goals? Which one is more important? Um, our OKRs are prioritized as well, and that really helps um, between CX teams. And then occasionally there's a shared resource that you have to decide, should we start you know, back in work here or here? And that helps inform those conversations as well as you know, how, how large is this? How long will it take to implement? Um, what is on the back burner until it's completed, et cetera. Those conversations are all still happening, um, but the OKRs do help to guide them. Great. Um... Yeah, there's an, another question in the chat that kind of lines up with another one I had, which, which is, do you have a specific tool that helps you make highlight reels? I'm, and Aaron notes, I'm kind of sick of using iMovie. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, I think, has helped create some of them. Yeah, we use iMovie. I was just laughing because I was like, we probably should get a better system. <laughs> iMovie is terrible, but it works. You know, it's on all of our operating systems. So, yeah. <laughs> We use iMovie and I record the Zoom calls using Zoom. Definitely. And then as far as Validately, that's really helpful. Um, that That's the software similar to usertesting.com. Sort of a little brother startup. I think it was actually just acquired by someone else, but that has a really great in-software in way to create clips that make using iMovie a little easier. But when you've got a moderated 45-minute interview, we could probably improve that for sure. Yeah, what about uh, like transcription or sentiment analysis? Do you, do you have any tooling around that or is that something you worry about? Yeah, it depends on the study type. We've used transcription services before. Um, typically when the study is primarily interview-based versus usability and maybe a few interview questions outside of that. So text have uh, conversation heavy, I should say. And we just use like an overnight service. I don't think there's one in particular that we would endorse just a regular transcription. Great. Um, yeah, I'm also curious, how has like going remote impacted um, doing research, have you run into any specific challenges? With it is the best thing ever for research, <laughs> I have to say. That is the one blessing of the pandemic. <laughs> before, <laughs> we do most of our research remotely. So okay. before, prior to the pandemic, you know, people had a lot of struggles with Zoom, our users specifically, um, logging in, do I need to download this? That feels like an extra step. Pain points like that, that you run into yeah. with research. And since the pandemic, um, everyone knows how to use Zoom. It's no problem. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're 20, if you're 80, literally. <laughs> and just as well, recruiting. So when you recruit, you might have one or two, three no-shows. If it's a holiday weekend, obviously, that could go up. But since the pandemic, we've had really great um, participation rates as well. So it's yeah. been fantastic to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but yeah, uh, yeah everybody's Zoom is just part of normal life now. So yeah, Zoom started the virus. That's yeah. what's really happening. If you yeah. want a conspiracy theory, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, do you have maybe this? This maybe this. If this puts you too much on the spot, that's fine. Uh, but I'm curious if you have like a, an example of a. Uh, a time when like a, a specific insight shifted the direction recently um okay it might i know that's it, it can be hard to come up with specific examples on the spot but um okay i i know we've got some let me yeah. try and think outside of my oh my goodness i'm presenting um mental block um and maybe chantal if you can think of one feel free to jump in as well I mean, one thing I can think of is with monthly minis, the creation of monthly minis, it was a brand new product that we kind of just by chance kind of discovered and we're like, oh, this is a really fun idea, but how do we communicate? And so we went through iterations and iterations. So as far as like the actual design, we tested like 13 different versions of the prototype and the really first quickly. one was terrible <laughs> and and just really helped us get into the right direction and then when we actually launched the product we were able to reduce the service customer service tickets on it because it was actually that much easier to use because we had done so much testing beforehand yeah that's great that's a great example thanks for sharing chantal yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Whitney, I'm curious just about, about your background. How did you come into like uh, into working in a, in a kind of a full time research role? That's you know yeah. not as common. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm curious kind of where you start and, and what led up to 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 that. Definitely. So. Um, I have a communications degree and I started in more marketing and product marketing <clears throat> and then kind of arced into product and then specifically research after I kind of found the niche where I um, felt most effective and enjoyed the worst, the work the most as far as product and research. Um, previously I worked at Nuvi and did a lot of customer research there and the positions I was in. And then when I came over to Chatbooks, did a project with um, customers as well in our um, customer service team. So I've done a lot of research in all of my roles and it kind of just got pulled out more and more as I got closer to product and just product specifically, not product marketing. And as chat books as we experience these pain points <laughs> actually um, through that original product cycle we just realized hmm, we almost never talk to our customers we lean pretty heavy on intuition in regards to product design and i think we really need to expand um, the product cycle and also talk to our users and see what they think so that we don't run into these same issues building products or features that we never use or that perform horribly, um, et cetera. And I just started doing that more and more. 
and now I do it full time. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of arced over into it to answer your question. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think we're seeing that this type of a role will be more and more common. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it, it definitely still feels like it's, it's a little newer, but, um, mm -hmm. very, very needed. I know that's something that we're, we're looking at at MX as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, right now, designers, we kind of own our own research, which is fine, but uh, to really move it up to the next level, have someone dedicated to it would be really helpful. Um, yeah, I think it when you're able to have quick research as well, um, when you're doing your own design, I think it slows down the process a little bit when you have to do the design and then the research, because I can conduct research while Chantal is working on other designs yeah. and iterate really quickly. So it's also sped up our product cycle, I would say. Yeah, that, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, let's see here. I have any other questions. Well, this has been great. Um, if nothing else, you've given me lots of uh, a, a good case study to go back to our team and say, like, hey, we really need to pull the trigger on. <laughs> you definitely do. <laughs> Getting some full-time researchers I'm in. I'm such um, an advocate. Yeah. Um, it is so helpful for designers as well. I've just seen so much success with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, uh, yeah, appreciate your time putting together the presentation and, 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 uh, and chatting with us and answering questions today. So. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Thanks, Whitney. Thanks, Chantal. And uh, everybody else, thanks for joining. A big thanks to Whitney Rogers for presenting. And again to Chatbooks for hosting the event. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you on one of our next events.